How many of you have heard the account of the rich young man? All right. How many of you love watching it on flannel graph? <laughs> Isn't that great? I love flannel graph. I love the way the things don't really stick up there and all of those things. It's important for us to look at this account of the rich young man. We were blessed last week as Pastor Simeon was here and as he shared with us and, and really stirred in our hearts to be able to ask ourselves, what does it mean to follow Jesus only halfway? And uh, as I thought and prayed about that, I thought I'd like to take a couple of weeks here to just look at the idea of what does it mean when Jesus says, follow me, what does it mean for us to follow Jesus? And I think for some of us, maybe we've been doing it for a long time and we think, oh, we got this down pat. But Peter says, it's good for me to repeat this because it's good for us to be reminded. And I think that's what's so good is for us to just sometimes take a look at, at the basics and remind ourselves how important it is for us to follow Jesus. And in the process, hopefully for you as for me, You'll be reminded, and there'll be new things that you see as we look at this together. So, God, I pray that would be the case. For these few moments, as we take a look in your word, Holy Spirit, pour over us. Search our hearts and our minds. See the places where maybe we've drifted from our first love and, and reawaken in us a passion for following Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So follow me. Uh, this is part one because we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 1 verse 17. And that verse uh, is, is, is very extensive. It says, um, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. So as I looked at this, I thought I can't possibly cover all of that in one week. So we'll spread it over two. All right. And uh, I'm excited because this first part, we're just going to look at this follow me this initial call of Jesus. And it may be that as I do that, you're going to celebrate that initial call as you responded to it. Or it may be that for the first time ever, you'll hear Jesus maybe calling you to follow him. So the thing that we're looking at is that a true disciple of Jesus responds fully to the call. A true disciple of Jesus responds fully to the call. And the first thing we see is that a true disciple follows Jesus. A true disciple follows Jesus, and first there's some positive responses. And as, as Jesus burst onto the scene, and as Mark records that, and as Jesus steps in to begin his earthly ministry here, and, and as, he, as he bursts into the scene, he begins to call disciples to follow him. And as he's walking around through Galilee, and, and he comes along the Sea of Galilee, he comes along and, and he, he sees some boats. And Mark chapter 117 says that Jesus sees Simon and Andrew, and he says to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So here we see that Jesus calls to them and says, follow me. And then when he sees James and John, he calls to them. And the assumption is that he's called to them and said to follow him. And so as we think about what it means to follow Jesus, we see that the first thing that happens is he has to call to us. 
Say, come follow me. And as he does that, then people are responsible to respond. And it says that Andrew, Simon, and, 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 uh, and Andrew followed him. And then James and John followed him as well. And so we see that, that this positive response that Jesus calls, follow me, and they say, okay, and they follow him. But there's something significant that we need to really see in this as well. Because there's something in between. Simon and Peter left their nets. And James and John left their father. See, in order for me to follow Jesus, in order for them to follow Jesus, as he called to them and said, follow, for, him, for them to follow, they had to leave behind what they had been following. And that's important for us to see because a lot of times we think we can follow Jesus without leaving anything behind. And this response from these disciples shows that that's not possible. In order for us to follow Jesus, to truly follow him, we need to stop following what we've been following in order to respond to his call. A little later in the second chapter of Mark, Jesus is going along and he passes by Levi. And as he passed, he saw Levi, or Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. So here's the pattern repeated. Jesus says, follow me. And Matthew follows him after he rose. He rose from the table, left the table behind, and followed him. And I think about that. I think if you're a tax collector, you're probably sitting there, and there's probably a whole bunch of money on the table or something. I don't know how that all worked. But what do you think was going on as as, as as Matthew's sitting there, Jesus walks by and looks at him and says, follow me. And he's like, okay. And he goes and just leaves all that behind. See, that takes a significant move of God in their lives in order for them to do that. But they show us a positive response. And maybe, maybe you're here today and you've had that positive response. Maybe you've understood that you need a Savior and, and Jesus has called to you, if you will, and you've responded to that and you've left behind the things you were holding on to to, to give you significance and you've hold on to the, or left go of those things that you were holding on to and you've just left those behind. See, everybody, if I could suggest... Everybody is a disciple of something. Everybody is a disciple of something. We all serve something. We all follow something. And as I've been watching Prayercast, and I don't know if you watch that at all, I'd, I'd suggest you do, prayercast.com. It's a, a great website that that guides you into to praying for, for parts of the world that you, you may not know how to pray for. So they have people from those parts of the world that pray. And, and as I've been watching um, people pray over the Muslim world, the thing that is so interesting to me is how devoted the Muslim people are to their faith. And it's a false faith. And the truth is, all of us are tied to a faith in something. And Jesus comes along in the midst of that and says, follow me. 
And the disciples give us a positive response to that, an example of a positive response of what it means to respond to that call. But the rich young man that we talked about, he gives, he gives a, an example of a negative response. And that negative response we see in, in, in Mark 10, 17 through 31, Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, you lack one thing, go sell all you have, give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great, great possessions. So we see the call of Jesus, follow me. Now the thing I love about this account, and, and, and I think it's so significant that we don't miss this, that in the midst of this account, it begins by saying Jesus looked at this man and loved him. See, he, Jesus is God in the flesh, and, and as such, Jesus knew this man's heart, and he knew that this man was going to turn from him. As I asked the kids, have you ever had anybody look at you and love you? It was neat. You didn't get to see their faces. I did. Their faces lit up. See, our faces light up, don't they, when, when you stop to think about that person who looks at you and truly loves you? I, I sure pray you have someone like that in your life. I know every morning I roll over and look at Karen, and, and she looks at me with love in her eyes first thing. <laughs> Not so much. <clears throat> but there's those moments. What would it be like? Can you imagine Jesus? I mean, I can't wait to see him. What was it like for Jesus to look into this man's eyes with love? Oh, man. Say, follow me. Oh, I mean, I would melt. I remember when I remember when I felt the call of Jesus in my life, and it's like, oh my goodness, but to have him be right there and say, follow me. Leave all of that. Listen, I know you think that that's giving you that that's giving you purpose. I know that you think that these are the things that are real. I know that you think that these are the things that are important in your life. But listen, I know, I know that those are the things that are causing you pain. I know those are the things that are, are drawing you away from me. Leave that stuff. Come follow me. Follow me and experience the abundance of life that you've been designed to have. Come follow me. He was disheartened, and he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. The disciples were called to follow, and they left the possessions so they could follow Jesus. The rich young man left Jesus so that he could hold on to the possessions. It's one of the saddest things, really, when you think about it. And you think about how many people have done that. 
How many people have, have turned from Jesus and, and instead grabbed hold of the things that they thought were the things that could keep them? And what are those things? All of them are temporary. Most of the times, they own you. You don't own them. It can be anything. It can be relationships. It can be a career. It could be, it could be family. Family can get in the way of following Jesus. It can be something that you've believed before that can keep you from following Jesus. I remember one time I was sharing the good news of Jesus with someone. And this person was, was a, a, a steeped in, in the Catholic faith. And I shared the gospel of Jesus and she had a son who had died. And she said, I can't believe what you're telling me because if I believe what you're telling me, then my son isn't in heaven or he's not in purgatory. And so if I believe the good news, then I have to leave that behind. See, what is it that you, what is it that you need to leave behind in order to follow Jesus? There's a cost and a gain in following. There's a cost and a gain for following Jesus. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? He looked around and said, how difficult it will be for those who are saved. Let's go back. When I jumped ahead, Candy, I'm sorry. How difficult it will be. And he repeated that. He said, how difficult it is. Difficult. Sometimes when we present the gospel, we present it as being very easy. But Jesus says it's not easy to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says it's difficult. In another passage, he says, make every effort to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple in that Jesus has come to pay the penalty for our sin. But it's not easy to accept and to follow. There's a cost that's involved. And Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. Now this is a big needle, and it's got a big eye. I could even thread this. Some of the commentaries that I read said that what the eye of the needle is is actually the city gates would be closed and there'd be a smaller door in those gates that would allow access in the evenings and that was sometimes called the eye of the needle. So they say that, that Jesus was um, referring to that and so what could happen feasibly is that you could take the whole load off the camel and shove it in through that little door and crawl in yourself and then somehow try to drag the camel in behind you and you know so that it would be possible to do it but it would be very difficult for that camel to to enter into that eye of the needle 
But I believe Jesus may have been being literal in this because these verses go on to say something quite significant. It's, it goes on to say, next slide. They were exceedingly astonished and said to him, who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it's impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. See, with man it's impossible, but not with God. See, the cost of following Jesus is a recognition that I can't do it on my own. I can't. It's impossible. I can't get through this eye of this needle. And it may be wealth that you need to leave behind. It may need relationship. It may be whatever it is that you need to leave behind. You're not able to do that on your own. It takes the power of God in your life. Listen, the only way that you can be assured of eternal life, the only way you can be assured of entry into the kingdom of God is through a supernatural occurrence in your life. God needs to change you and make you brand new. It's only possible with God. The old needs to be gone. The new comes, and you become a new person. Peter goes on to say, I've left everything. We've left everything and followed you. And Jesus says, I say to you truly, there's no one who's left house or brothers for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold in this life with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. We looked at this last week with Simeon. Jesus said, or Peter says, we've left and we followed you. We did it. We, we, we left behind and we followed you. And he says, you're going to be blessed in this, in this time, in this period, if you've done that for the sake, for my sake. No one who has left for my sake and the sake of the gospel and you will have the persecutions. So we understand and know that. We live in a fallen world. And sometimes people come to the impression that if I ask Jesus into my life, that all of a sudden my life's gonna be good. And, and I'll be blessed. And that blessing looks like prosperity. But listen, that's not what scripture teaches. Scripture teaches we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that's been impacted by sin. Every aspect of our world has been impacted by sin. Jesus will come again, and he will redeem this world, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and we will live forever in a, in a new heaven and a new earth where there is no more pain or no more crying or no more sorrows or no more relationship struggles. That, that's coming, but it's not here. And so here what we do is, is as we come and follow him, we become part of this family of God, and this family is so huge, and, and so we gain way more than we ever had before, but it comes at a cost, and that cost is persecutions. Now those persecutions can be, can be persecutions that come because we share our faith and we're persecuted, like, like the, the, the Simeon, Helen, and those who are ministering in, in that part of the world in the persecuted church that we pray for. But the truth is, just living in this world brings persecution. There's death. There's illness. There's sicknesses. There's, there's sin all over the place. There's relationship struggles. There's hurt. There's pain. There's sorrow. 
All of these things are real, and they're part of the persecutions that come in this world. And listen, when you follow Jesus, you don't follow him and and not experience those things because he experienced them and set the example for us. But there's also eternal life in the age to come. In the age to come, you see, we will be with Jesus. And all of those things will be taken away. No more sorrow. No more tears. No more death. Gone. I get excited about that. I hope you do too. Jesus called the crowd to him with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, they need to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. And I can't go into this in great detail, but you need to deny yourself you need to take up your cross and you need to follow Jesus. And that cross, it's, it's, it shows clearly that each one of us has a cross because he says, take up your cross. You've got a cross. So to follow Jesus, you need to deny yourself. You need to put that stuff away. Look into the eyes of love of Jesus. Respond to that and follow him. And he goes on to say, and this is significant, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in return for his soul? This word soul can be, can be uh, translated life. It's, it's talking about the very life essence of who you are. And what we see in these verses is number one, listen, your life, your life is of greater worth than the world. Think about that. Your life is of greater worth than the world. Okay, I'm probably not articulating this well. I'll try it differently. Your life is of greater worth than the world. I mean, think about that. You have been created and designed in the image of God, fashioned by him, knit together in your mother's womb, fearfully, wonderfully made. You have been designed by God to be in relationship with him. You have greater worth than the entire world. Each one of us do. So, like, think about that, but then don't miss the fact that Jesus is of greater worth than your life. And in order to save that life that is worth more than the world, you have to lose that life. And if you don't lose that life, you won't save it. So if, like the rich young man, you choose this stuff... You will lose your life, which is of greater worth than the whole world. But if you choose Jesus, who is greater than your life, you'll lose all that, most of which is bringing you pain, and you will gain Jesus. It's what they call a good trade. We're bombarded with cultural Christianity right now. And I pulled up an article on what is cultural Christianity, and this is important. This article says there was no such thing as cultural Christianity in the days of the early church. In fact, to be a Christian was more than likely to be marked as a target of persecution. The very term Christian 
was coined in the city of Antioch as a way to identify the first followers of Christ. The first disciples were so much like Jesus, they were called little Christs by their detractors. Unfortunately, the term has lost meaning over the years and come to represent an ideology or a social class rather than a lifestyle of obedience to God. So as you come to follow Jesus, are you a follower of the idea or are you a follower of the way? They go on to give some identifying characteristics of cultural Christianity. And if you'll bear with me for just a minute, here are some identifying marks of cultural Christianity. Cultural Christians deny the inspiration of Scripture or even of parts of Scripture. Cultural Christians ignore or downplay true repentance as the first step towards knowing God. Cultural Christians focus on Jesus' love and exception to the exclusion of his teaching on hell, obedience, and self-sacrifice. Cultural Christians tolerate or even celebrate ongoing sin while claiming to know God. Cultural Christians redefine scriptural truths to accommodate culture. They understand Jesus to be primarily a social reformer rather than God in the flesh who's the sacrifice for our sin. They claim God's promises while ignoring the requirements included with them. They deny or minimize Jesus' claim that he is the only way to God. They perform just enough religious activity to gain a sense of well-being without a true devotion to Jesus. And they talk much about God in the general sense, but very little about Jesus Christ as Lord. And they see protection and blessings as goals to be achieved rather than byproducts of a love relationship with Jesus Christ that lives itself out in obedience. In Matthew 7, Jesus says that there are many who will come up to him in the final day who will say, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, I never knew you. If any of those things are identifying marks in your life, ask yourself a question. Are you truly a follower of Jesus? Have you, have you left the things behind so that you could follow him? Have you, have you looked into the eyes that love you and responded to that? To follow Jesus is to put all of that off. You can't bring that with you and follow him. So what? Are you a true disciple of Jesus? Have you counted the cost? Are you following him? Oh, Lord God, I thank you and praise you. I thank you for Jesus, who makes it possible for us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have a relationship with you, Father. For each person in this room, I pray that you would look into our hearts and help us see, are we truly following you? God, you know how long in my life I thought I was following you. But I really wasn't. I was following me. I was a cultural Christian. 
which is no Christian at all. So search us, God. Search us so that we can know that we've responded to the love of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. May I please ask you to stand and hear God's good word for you. As you do that, I'll remind you the Gideons will be in the back if you'd like to participate there. Could I take just a moment and give you an update on the Kohlers? The Kohlers have arrived safely. They've gotten settled in after three or four weeks. There's some unexpected expenses with a car. They didn't think it was going to come right away. Need a little help with a deposit. If you're able to help with that at all, five, ten bucks, whatever you can give, just put it in an envelope, market Kohler car, and, and drop it off at the office sometime this week, and we'll get it over there so that they can get the deposit cared for. They're doing really well. It's amazing what God's doing through them. So, now... May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Ooh, let's go out there and make a difference. I release you to a week of work, witness, and worship.